Hey, Music City Audible listeners, it's Justin Graver here. Just wanted to give you a little disclaimer before you listen to this episode. We had a bit of a technical difficulty. Justin Mello's audio came through pretty choppy. It's still intelligible, just might not be the most pleasant thing to listen to, but I would listen because he makes a lot of great points. All right, with that, let's get to the episode. We the one. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello. And it feels like it's been a while since we got together here, Justin. Uh, took a couple extra days to get all this free agency news in. We're going to go through Titans' new additions Titans players that they had that they've tendered or or kept around and some guys that will not be with the Titans next year who have been with the Titans for a while. Also, of course, going to hit our beef of the week presented by the pharmacy. And we will talk about some remaining needs after the first couple days of free agency have passed. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well. As you said, it's been a while. We usually record on Monday nights and we delay yeah. until Wednesday afternoon this week. We told our listeners we were delaying and i'm glad we made that decision because had we recorded on monday we would have missed a bit of a flurry of activity that happened tuesday night right for the titans so i'm glad we, we, we wait did be delayed we were on our on the on the ball this time right we didn't miss news that we normally complain about right when Titans break everything on a Monday evening or a tuesday morning we've got a lot to talk, talk about a lot of new players in fold uh, a lot of one evening as well yeah, definitely worth waiting because the Titans kind of started off free agency a little bit quiet, I would say, on Monday. I even sent out a tweet. I said, um, and I'll get to this again. I'm going to circle back to this later. But I said that the Titans' best path to contention right now is to just lose as many games as they can in 2023, trade away Ryan Tannehill, trade away Derrick Henry, and try to get the top pick in the 2024 draft. And that was somewhat a reaction to a very slow start to the free agency period, some of the top tackles going off the board and things like that. But it's also still kind of how I feel no matter what they do this free agency period. Stock up on as much talent as you can afford to do now and then really make a run at this thing in 2024. But again, we'll come back to that. But yeah, it was a uh, a slow Monday. So if we had taped on Monday, we wouldn't have had a whole lot to talk about. Titans got really active on Tuesday and then finalized some things on Wednesday. The league year has started 2024. Happy New Year, Justin. And we're going to get into <laughs> all of the moves the Titans have made this year. Looks like they're starting to do that offensive line rebuild, huh? Yeah, I mean, that was clearly Rancar focus uh, you know heading into Monday and we saw that carry over into Tuesday we've got a new starter it appears at left tackle to discuss a, a new starter at I believe will be right guard uh, and then I'll, we'll get into that a bit more um, when we talk about positional versatility and, and maybe confirmation of a starting center I would say in, in 2023 so a lot to talk about there on the old line front I'm not sure who you want to start with but I, I'm happy to defer to you Let's start with Daniel Brunskill because he's at the top of my rundown here. And I don't know chronologically if he was the first signing, but I don't think he was. But Daniel Brunskill, we, this is a weird one because we still don't have the contract numbers. They, we might get those later on Wednesday after we tape here. But um, so by the time you're listening to this, we might have those numbers since the league year has started and these contracts will become official. 
But Daniel Brunskill, he is who you mentioned there as the guy that will be coming in probably, we think, to start at right guard. This is a player who has been very underrated for the 49ers. Uh, David Lombardi tweeted, quote, this is a tough loss for the 49ers who wanted to keep Daniel Brunskill because of his tremendous O-line versatility. He started every game for the Niners in 2020 and 2021, mostly at right guard. He played some center in there. He's he's a mammoth of a man, six foot five, 300 pounds. And um, Rand Carthon obviously knows all about him because he was there in San Francisco with Brunskill. Looks like the Titans have their Nate Davis replacement ready to go. Yeah, I, this is um, an interesting sign. It's a two-year contract by the way released able to get confirmation. We don't have numbers, um, but it is a two-year contract. This is, again, this is a good, versatile player. I, I've got his snap there um, for the 2022 season. It's, it's pretty 140. Two snapped, 36 at right tackle, and 23 at center. He appeared in 14 regular season games and was really a swing guy, right? As you can tell by that snap breakdown. I, I do expect him to start at right guard. Firstly, it's the position that he's most familiar with. It's where he's played the majority of his career. They obviously have a hole now at right guard that you and I will get to. Obviously, you know, Rand Carter knows him well from their time together in San Francisco. It's no surprise to see him, you know, coaching players from the organization he comes from. Um, I'm excited about this signing, but I, I do think we need to be honest. Replacing a good player in Nate Davis. The, the things get way better at right guard, though I don't think they did. Um, I do think he's going to provide them with at least the average starting play. I don't think he's going to be a bowler or anything like that. I was gonna be a disaster, right? Like a Dennis Bailey or a below average. But he's gonna provide right. league average play, which is good. They always have that last year, right? Especially across the only but they did have that right guard in Nate Davis. Now, now they're probably healthier right at right guard than Nate Davis was able to provide them because he missed them a lot of time throughout here. So if they can get Nate Davis level play for 17 games a year then you, I think you chalk that up as a win because they didn't get Davis for 17 games a year. So it's a guy he's going to come in. He's going to be a starting caliber player. I imagine that will happen at right guard. I, you know, I don't think it's going to happen at left guard. I don't think it's going to happen at center. It, it could because they have hold at both of those positions, and he's played both of those positions. But this does feel like a like-for-like replacement for Nate Davis in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And uh, again, we don't have the, the contract numbers yet. Nate Davis signed. I mean, we're going to get to this. I guess we can just do it now because we're talking about it. Nate Davis signed with the Bears for three years, $30 million. I expect that Brunskill's number is going to come in under $10 million a year because probably could have just opted to keep a guy who already knows your system and who you know. But we did see, I, I wish I could remember who said this. Somebody put out there on Twitter that Apparently, Mike Vrabel does not like Nate Davis or never liked Nate Davis, which is interesting. Maybe he was one of those eight to four guys that Vrabel referred to in a press conference last year. I saw also on Twitter some clips of Brunskill going one on one with Aaron Donald and holding his ground really well. And um, I don't know if that was a one game wonder. It kind of reminds you of uh, when Titans fans got all excited that Dylan Radins made Nick Bosa switch sides uh, against the 49ers that that game in 2021. But 
it, it looks like Brunskill's going to at least be able to hold his own there. He's not going to be a liability in pass protection, um, and he should be able to come in and provide, like you said, at least above average level guard play. And who knows? Maybe you know the Titans have a new offensive line coach. Maybe this is a guy that can get even more out of Brunskill than he than the 49ers were able to. But I will also say. You know, offensive line has been a big strength of the 49ers. That run game has been a big strength, and they like to run a similar, you know, run concepts to what the Titans run with the zone-based running scheme. So he should be able to come in and pick up the scheme right away, assuming the Titans don't intend to change too much of what they've been doing the last few years. I'm so glad you said that, because as soon as I stopped talking, I said, oh, damn it, in my head, I said, damn it, there's one more point I wanted to make, I forgot to, to say is, yes, he knows the system already, right? He's played in the zone-based offense. And I don't think the Titans are changing this scheme. I, I really don't. We've talked about it, but Charles London knows this scheme. Justin Houghton knows this scheme. Right? They hired so many coaches, uh, position coaches and coordinators that know this scheme. So I don't think it's going to be drastically different. So he has to come in. He's going to have to quickly. I imagine he'll make the right guard position his own. One thing you said in passing, I do disagree with, and it's not a big deal because you said it in passing, and then you kind of went back on it anyway. I, don't think, I do think his number is going to come in lower than Nate Davis. But I don't, even if it came in at the same, I'm not sure they would have chosen to keep Nate Davis, right? Based on those Twitter yeah, comments. True, true. That Twitter report about Vrabel maybe not liking Nate Davis. Uh, I think the injury thing plays a big role. Like players who are healthier, right, than, than the ones that are letting go, and we'll get some more of that when we long. But with Nate Davis, he just hasn't been healthy, right, consistently. So I'm really not surprised that they, that they decided to move on. Although I will say, I don't think the contract Nate Davis on Chicago was crazy. Yeah, okay. like I think three years, thirty million. It's pretty fair. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Titans absolutely should not have done that. I get it from a health perspective, but it's not like there's paid names. I always assumed he would come in somewhere between like eight million and right. Give or take for anything. It's exactly what he got. It was a three-year deal, which I think is fair. It's not. It's not a five-year, fifty million dollar deal where it's a long-term, you know, guarantee for the biggest in Chicago. I think this was more about moving on, and getting a player to GM is comfortable with that knows the system that's really tough really versatile um again i think he's you can pencil him in as a starter for sure at one of you know three or four positions again I, right guard um but uh this picture is starting to come together uh, on the old line and with that said why don't we switch gears to the new presumed starting left tackle yeah, let's stick with the offensive line here because the Titans also have agreed to sign Andre Dillard, formerly with the Philadelphia Eagles, a first-round pick, actually, of the Eagles back in the day. And um, he's come in now and uh, signed a what was reported to be a three-year, $29 million contract with the Titans. Um, presumably will be their starting left tackle, although he could he's also played some guard in his career. He's played a little bit of right tackle in his career. Um, but I think this is an interesting signing because it's another guy that you're basically replacing someone you lost this offseason on the O-line. And I think, you know, as we go through these signings, a theme that's going to emerge is, and we're going to ask this question at the end and come back to this, but are the Titans getting better or are they just filling the holes that they created for themselves? You know, like, are they adding new pieces that will make them better than they were last year? Or are these guys just coming in to replace players that have departed, whether it be cuts or free agents or whatever? Andre Dillard looks right now, uh, barring what the Titans might do in the draft or whatever, 
to be the Taylor Lewan replacement. He, he played a lot for the Philadelphia Eagles um, when he first got there. He dealt with a lot of injury issues. He lost his starting job to Jordan Mailata, who is a elite level player. So that's, you know, nothing against Andre Dillard that he couldn't beat out Mailata, who replaced Dillard when Dillard got injured. And then Mailata came in and um, I was comparing Dillard's PFF grades to Dennis Daly's and last season Dillard only played 37 total snaps. So you can't really take a lot from that, but he did uh, score way higher than Dennis Daly. It was a 67.9 overall player for PFF, 84.7 pass blocking grade, 63.1 run blocking grade compared to Dennis Daly, who was a 46.1 overall. Again, that's 67.9 for Dillard. 46.1 for Dennis Daly. He was a 45.5 graded pass blocker and a 46.5 graded run blocker. Those are very low numbers for Dennis Daly. Uh, But if you go back to 2021, when Dillard played 337 snaps at left tackle, he graded out about the same, 69.6 overall, 71.7 pass blocker, 65.4 run blocker. So even if Dillard is, you know, still a below average NFL starter, he's a massive upgrade over what they well, we're getting from Dennis Daly last year. And, you know, Andre Dillard could be better than a below average player. He might just be an average replacement level player. He might be somebody the Titans look to, you know, bring in competition for that left tackle spot in the draft. And then maybe Dillard slides to left guard. But the point is he's most likely with this kind of contract going to be a starter on this O-line. And we would expect that to be at the left tackle position. Yeah, I'm glad you said, it. you know, the great holes from themselves or are they getting better? I think you have to compare him to Dennis Daly, right? I don't think it's right to compare him to Taylor Lewan because Dennis Daly was your starting tackle for 13, 14 games in 2022. So did they get better than Dennis Daly? Absolutely, right? It would be hard not to or to get worse, right, than Dennis Daly. So they got better. Yeah. Um, better left tackle position. The mystery box a little bit, right? You're not certain what you get because of, you know, that to play the injuries, the limit. I think he said, what, 37 snaps last year? Like, I'm not going to take anything away yeah. from 37 snaps. Um, no pressures allowed, no up. sacks allowed in those 37 snaps, though. So that's at least a plus. Watch, watch out. <laughs> watch out. Oh, it's pass not like son. Kendall Lamb who comes in for one snap against Chandler Jones and gets his ass blown up, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, right into the, into the lap of the quarterback. Um, I wrote an article in October, and I, I, I tweeted it again, uh, saying that Paid for Andre Dillard. Keep in mind, they were still in the thick of the playoff hunt. Um, I need to get better at left tackle if they want to make a playoff. But Dillard's a guy I identified as a trade candidate. And I mentioned the article, look, if you, you don't, you know, I understand, I also understand not wanting to trade for him because he's on an entire contract signed him in without giving up anything, right, in exchange for him. And that's the route they decided to take, right? They didn't trade him, the playoffs, let, you know, left tackle come a lot down the Stretch, but they end up going to get. It's a modest contract. It's I don't want to call it a starting left tackle. I think it's a, a, a pretty fair amount. Um, you are taking there is some risk involved because you don't know what you're doing. But if he ends up being good, it's going to go the other way, right? You look at it, and you're like, wow, we got a starting caliber left tackle at like ten million a year, nine and a half million a year. When the market says you're going to pay fifteen to twenty million a year, right? For most for, for a great start. So this thing could go a few different ways. One thing I'll say is I think the guard talk is nonsense. And, and you can make fun of me if he ends up being a guard, but I saw that on Twitter a lot. Oh, well, could maybe he'll end up playing guard. No, I think he's definitely going to play tackle. I think what happened in Philadelphia is when he lost the start at left tackle, every backup 
O-lineman has to have some versatility. Right? So I almost guarantee you that was just the Eagles saying, well, if he ain't starting for us at left tackle, we want him to be active on game day. Can he also back up guard in a pinch? That's all that was, most likely. Right? Can he play some guard? So he got some reps there. I would be pretty stunned if the Titans' plan is to have him play guard after signing him to that contract. They went out and signed another guard in Dan Brunskill. Yes, they still probably need a second one if they're taking their brewer inside. But I don't think they're said we have, Our first two O-line targets have to be both guards. Right? Like, I think they went out and they got a left tackle and they got a right guard. Now, with that said, I do think they need to add another tackle in free agency um, or, or through the draft. Of course, they don't have one. Now, really, it's, it's, it's Dillard, presumably, at left tackle and Petit Friere at right tackle. Who are their backup tackles to close the year last year? Lorraine Clark is no longer under contract. Dennis Daly is no longer under contract. They don't really have a third tackle. I'm curious to see how they address it. I think it would be smart to get another veteran that can play swing tackle. I've seen our buddy Mike Herndon mention Cameron Fleming on Twitter. I think that's a guy that would make some sense. But I am curious to see how they attack this spot because I, I don't know that you still draft one at 11 overall. I get that you could. I've been being mad about it. The one counter argument I'll make is with so many holes on this roster, that's an intriguing way, right, to utilize your resources. If you're signing a guy to a three or $30 million he play left tackle, and you're using the 11th overall pick at the position. And, um, you have so many holes, I don't know if you could pour that, that much capital into the same position. Now, it's a, a super important position, the second most important position on, on a football team, in my opinion. So, you, I guess you could say, no, we need to get it right. We you know, let's grab the and let's draft a tackle in the first round. But with all those they have, I'm curious now if they'd be willing to wait till somewhere between maybe the, you know, the third or fourth round yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned that because the Titans have been, you know, a lot of mock drafts have had them drafting uh, Peter Skaronsky, the uh, Northwestern tackle, who is a bit short-armed in terms of traits. So people are projecting, some people are saying, well, he's technically sound. He could play tackle even with the short arms. Other people say he's going to slide inside a guard. He could be a great guard. Other, I've heard, uh, The Athletic did a podcast that was basically on rebuilding the Titans about a month ago, and they suggested the Titans draft Skaronsky whether you play him at tackle or you play him at guard, you just get a guy that you know is going to be a starter on your offensive line and figure out where to put him later based on how you construct the rest of the roster. I wonder if he's a guy the Titans might look at at 11. You bring him in to compete with Dillard at left tackle. If he wins the left tackle job, Dillard's your swing tackle. If he if Dillard wins the left tackle job, Skaronsky's your starting left guard. That's a potential avenue to go. I also saw you tweeted uh, in the last couple of days that Jalen Duncan, Maryland offensive tackle, has a top 30 visit lined up with the Titans, a very athletic um, player there who, who someone else you could maybe draft a tackle. And then again, Dillard becomes your swing tackle. It's a lot of money to pay a swing tackle, but we haven't seen the guarantees there yet. So again, that could end up being a kind of a phony contract where the guarantees make it a lot more reasonable that that player would be your swing tackle. And I know you are dismissing, not dismissing, but not really into the idea of Dillard playing guard. I think it depends, you know, if the Titans drafted someone like Jalen Duncan and he stood out really fast in training camp and they didn't have a better option at left guard, maybe Dillard slides in there. But again, it's about getting a guy that you think can start on your offensive line. I think Dillard is that guy. I think they could do that also in the draft, kind of double up at that position, whether it's the first round or not. And that's a way that, you know, you can make sure you're just covered across the board on the offensive line, which, as you said, is super important. And once you have that offensive line built up, 
then you can go get your quarterback of the future. Maybe you do that in this year's draft. Maybe, as I've been advocating for for a while now, you wait till 2024 and you make that big move and you go do your hardcore reset and you're ready to compete in 2024 with a rookie quarterback that you hope can play at a high level behind what is now going to be, by 2024, a fully rebuilt offensive line, right? Assuming things go to plan. Well, I think the best outcome you mentioned there, and I'll pose another argument against myself as I say that, but is if you were to draft a Skaronsky and Dillard wins the left tackle job and then Skaronsky starts at left arm. Because I've been driving this Skaronsky as a guard for several months now. Got some yeah. arguments on Twitter with people about it. And then he measures <laughs> in with like 32 and a half inch arms or something that's like fourth percentile for offensive tackle. Fourth percentile. He's probably a guard. Right, and I'm still leaning that way, um, and that would be your outcome. But where I say I'll pose an argument against myself is I do think you question um, the usage of capital. Right, drafting a guard at 11th overall is a tough pill to swallow. I think someone's going to draft Skaronski really high, and it can be the tight, and he may end up being a guard, but and he might be really good. But two, three years from now, we still might say, "Hey, I, you know, I, I, I can't draft a guard in the second round." Overall, you get them. You got eight games in the third round. You get starting guards in the fourth, fifth round all the time in the NFL. It's just one of those positions that doesn't get drafted highly, right? So that's my own counter argument. But when you said about drafting Saransky, just figuring now, I do respect that line of thinking, and I think that were to come to fruition, the best outcome is he doesn't beat Andre Dillard. Is that Dillard looks good? Saransky looks yeah. good. And Saransky's your left arm. I don't think Dillard is strong enough. Like I, I've always seen him as a, a bit more of an athlete tackle prospect that's got good foot speed and can defend the edges. I don't see him as a guy, especially when not heavy offensive they're keeping Derrick Henry. He's not a guy I've ever seen. And I thought he coming out of Washington State. I never thought he was a guard. And I'll be surprised if he ends up there. Uh, but I think he's got good foot speed, uh, good athleticism, play tackle to protect the edges. Uh, one negative against him, I, I do want to point out, is uh, for someone who just saw his first round, you know, first professional contract expire, four-year rookie deal. He's a little older than you'd like. I think he's 28. I think hmm. he's entering. So he was like a 24-year-old rookie. You know, you know, let's get those rookies in at 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, so when they're signing their second contract, they're like 25, right? That would be great. But unfortunately, I think he's 28. That's another negative that, that works against him a little bit. Um, but I do like the signing. I advocated for them to trade for him way back in October. I understand they're taking a risk. It'd be something otherwise. It's, it's a bit of a mystery box. They have to go out and and get another tackle, whether that's a Jalen Duncan, who you, you meant, I, I broke news, they've got a, a top visit set with him, that's a second round target, a Jalen Duncan, right? He's going to go in the second round, in my opinion. There are other tackles, Blake Freeland, out of uh, BYU, that are super, like I played in the scheme, that are probably a third or fourth round pick, so they will have options. Uh, I don't know that they use the 11th pick on a tackle now. Yes, I think they still could, but it's a questionable use of resources. When you pair it with a three-year, $30 million deal for uh, for Andre Yeah, and uh, just to circle back to a couple things you said there, you know, talking about the value of drafting a guard. The Titans' new starting right guard was undrafted in 2017 when he entered the league, and he's right. become a really good player. Um, Teron Davenport tweeted uh, that when the Titans signed him that, according to Next Gen Stats, 
He did not allow a sack or a pressure in 492 offensive snaps last season. Uh, started 17 games in 2021. I mentioned that already. So that is a guy that, you know, you, you don't have to just necessarily spend a high pick to fill that position because the guard is not necessarily a high value position. So I fully agree with you there. The yeah. last thing I want to talk about with Diller before we move on to our other signings here is his you know, his PFF grades would suggest, and I think people who have watched his tape closely would also agree that he's a guy who's better in pass protection than he is as a run blocker. And the Titans over the last few years under John Robinson and even under Mike Vrabel haven't necessarily targeted those guys who are better pass blockers than run blockers. You mentioned, you know, are they going to run a run heavy scheme? Is Dillard strong enough to play guard in that kind of scheme? Is that changing? I mean, we just talked about it with Brunskill, how we don't necessarily think the run concepts will change, but will the pass to run ratio go up now with uh, with a new offensive coordinator, with a new general manager. Obviously, we all were familiar with Rand Carthon's comments about how, you know, the Titans, you got to run the ball. It's fun to be the Golden State Warriors in October or whatever. You know, the Golden State Warriors only won the uh, uh, NBA championship last year. So it's, it's pretty fun to be them towards the end of the season too. But when it comes to like passing it in the weather and all that, we heard those comments. But you do have to wonder if you're signing a guy that you expect to be your starting left tackle who is stronger in pass protection than he is as a run blocker, are the Titans going to be passing the ball more? I don't necessarily think that that is like this should be any indication that the Titans are moving to a more pass heavy scheme. I think that's just happens to be how Dillard has played, you know, throughout his career. I think the Titans will slot him into their system more so than move mold their system around their new left tackle. Who's not even like an elite player at the position, but I know that that conversation is out there. So I wanted to get your thoughts on it. No, I'm not comfortable saying that yet because look at the picture at wide receiver right now and tight end, right? Until we know more what that depth chart's going to look, like it is grim, right? They've added nobody at those positions. They've already waved goodbye to Robert Woods, obviously, and we'll talk a little maybe about Nick Westbrook. But they don't have the receivers right now. I, I think if when I said that about field, I was more talking about guard. You know, things are so much more condensed there in the trenches, right? And, it's, and, and that really is one of your best run blocking positions. And it has to the Titans, right? When they had Roger Saffold on the at that position, um, I don't see Bill being able to play that sort of role, but the pass pro is so much more important at times at left tackle, and we saw that this year, right, with, with Dennis Daly, right? How important did it look, right, when Dennis Daly was getting beat around the edge, right, consistently? So I would stop short of saying it's any indication that they're going to be pass happier. I'm not comfortable saying that until I see what they're working with that receiver, because right now it's super grim. So as long as that's the case, and Derrick Henry's still on the roster, no, I don't think they're going to be very pass happy. Yeah, I, I'm agree, agreeing with you on that as well. But that conversation's been swirling, so I was curious to see what you thought about it. Okay, let's talk about the next signing on my list here. Again, not necessarily chronological, but another player that Rand Carthon was familiar with in San Francisco. He played last season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and the Titans, again, this is sort of a replacing a player that you're losing to free agency more so than it is adding additional talent to the roster. But Arden Key signed a three-year, $21 million deal. Um, he can earn up to $24 million. I assume there's some playing time incentives, maybe statistical bonuses built into that. He gets $13 million fully guaranteed, which is such a low number when you compare it to somebody like Bud Dupree's contract. Um, hello, give me a break. But Arden Key should slot in as a sort you know, he could play where Bud Dupree played. He could play where Demarcus Walker played. Two guys the Titans have lost to the free agent cycle. Last year, Arden Key finished the year with four and a half sacks to the uh, for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. 
But if you just look at weeks 14 through 18, when he got a little bit more playing time, he generated 25 pressures. He only trailed Nick Bosa, who had 26 over that time frame. That's according to Next Gen Stats. And then Mike Herndon, Mike Miracles, who's not Mike Miracles anymore, but we're still going to call him Mike Miracles, tweeted out, um, according to PFF's charting, that Arden Key ranked 15th out of 49 qualifying edge rushers in their pass rush win rate metric. He was better than Danico Autry in the same neighborhood as guys like Montez Sweat and Max Crosby. He's a 26-year-old player, so he's still got a, a pretty young for a guy going into his second contract. Compare that to what you just said about Andre Dillard, I guess his third contract because he signed a one-year deal with Jacksonville last year. But he's a guy that's been ascending the last couple seasons. Again, Rand Carthon is familiar with him as a player in terms of what he's like in the building. So you you feel encouraged by the fact that he wanted to go out and sign him. I think this is a great value signing. The Titans will look back on and be very happy that they signed a guy to this type of contract who can you know contribute as much as he can. Feels like a guy who is has earned a bigger role with his next team, and I think he will get it with the Titans. I liked the Dan Brunskill signing, but this Arden Key signing is my favorite by far. It, it, it really is. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm, I, I think this is a terrific, terrific signing. Now, he's replacing a couple of I probably look at Bud Dupree, who will officially be released. Um, we haven't heard official now, but it was going to be done on 15th to the 16th, so that official release is coming. And he'll sort of listen to Marcus Walker, right, who signed a three-year contract with Chicago Bears. Uh, so you lose two guys, you get one in. But I also feel like you're getting a second one in Harold Landry, right? He didn't play a game for you last year. And he's coming back from injury. Right. I love this signing so much. Is I am extremely confident that Arden Key is always more productive for the 2023 Titans than Bud Dupree or Marcus Walker were for the 2022 Titans. And I like Walker, but I'll get to that more in a minute. I've been beating this drum all summer, and that's pat myself on the back. I think a lot of people said it. But I told you, Edge is a sneaky need for this team this offseason. We knew they were probably going to be parting ways with Bud Dupree. We knew Marcus Walker was free agent, didn't know if he'd be back or not. Even if he was back, what happened? Bud Dupree, you know, Harold Andrews coming off the tour in CL, an agent that they've kind of kicked outside with more frequency, more so out of your necessity, because you like them sort of closer to Jeffrey Simmons, I think, right? When you have a, a fully healthy group a crop of edge rushers, but they kicked him outside a lot, especially when Landry went down. They needed a guy bad. And I talked about it a lot. I think Arden Key is a great signing for them. He's going to come in and play that role. I feel so much better about this defensive line right now. Assuming we don't get Jeffrey Simmons trade or anything like that, I feel right. really good about having a Jeffrey Simmons, having a Dina Kowatry, having an Arden Key, returning Harold Landry, and having Rashad Weaver. Well, I feel good about that position right now. I think a big difference maker. Can give him a lot of good quality snaps. Can be better than Bud was. Can be better than Demarcus Walker was. I think he's a guy that easily gives you seven to ten sacks next year in, in, in an increased role. Um, geez, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I remember studying these guys coming out of the draft. If I remember correctly, Arden Key was like a first round talent who ended up getting drafted in the third. Round. I don't know if there was like off-field concerns or if there he got uh was he, there was he got busted for marijuana, which means that I'm a big fan of Arden Key because I think players should be allowed to smoke marijuana. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was. I mean, that's a joke, right? Like I'm in I'm in Canada, right? Where marijuana is totally legal, by the way. Right? I'm in LA where marijuana is totally legal. 
That's what I was going to say. If you didn't live in California, I've always expected you to move out here once Canada legalized marijuana. But um, no, if that's all, I can't remember what it was, but that's all it was. That's a joke. And that bumped him all the way to the third round. That's ridiculous. He was first round pass rusher on tape. But I will say, his career did start off slow. So whatever the off-field issues were, it did limit him early. Like, he did not live up to the pre-draft building. It did not match. The production did not match the tape he put, he put out at LSU at times. So, but you know, but to all that to say, he, he's gotten better. Right, The career started very weird. It was slow. But I thought he was really good in San Francisco in 2021. And I thought he was really good in Jacksonville in 2022. So I absolutely love this signing. I can't say enough good things about it. I think they needed at a veteran edge rusher with all the guys that were, were leaving and, and, and with the questions about Landry and, and an older Autry. The last thing I'll say about the position, we kind of covered it already a little. So Marcus Walker leaves, he goes to Chicago. He, he got three years, 21 million. I think yeah. that's, I'm mixing up the numbers with R&T. I think no, no, he got... It was very close. They actually never... Um, the report I saw didn't have the total money, but it said over 7 million at average annual value. So that could be like three years, 22 million, you know, just to... Get the fraction out of there, but over seven million a year, the Titans get Arden Key for basically the same deal. I mean, Demarcus Walker had what seven and a half sacks I, last year for the Titans. That was a pretty good season. Arden Key wasn't that productive, but if you look at the pass rush win rate, especially like I mentioned, those last five games of the year, Arden Key was an ascending player. And I, I think like I, I don't want this to come off as like oh, we're biased and you're always gonna like the guy you have better. I really like Demarcus Walker. I did a story on him last week on Broadway Sports. I spent a lot of time talking to him on the phone as he had in phrase he had such a good time with him i love watching him play football i think arden key's probably a better player in all honesty i think the marcus walker did a really good job taking advantage of his surroundings right he pounced on playing next to jeffrey simmons and dina quattri and how good they were last year both of them i don't think already had that same favorable situation in jacksonville and look some of jacksonville's rushers i really do but I think the situations were very different for both of them. Like when Dina Quattro and Jeffrey Simmons went down, I don't think the Marcus Walker saved Tennessee's pass rush from being bad. It was bad, if you remember, when Simmons and Autry were out of the line. It wasn't very good. So Marcus Walker wasn't that guy that was going to be like a full-blown difference maker as the guy. Right? I think Arden Key's a better football player. I think Walker just happens to be in a better situation. That's why the numbers are similar. I'll close it again. I'm repeating myself. Love the signing. My favorite one they've made so far. I've got pretty high expectations for our team in 2023. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think, you know, Rand Carthon is off to a great start in his tenure here as general manager of the Titans with some of these great signings. Didn't overpay for anyone. We'll talk about a couple more here in a second. But first, let's hit our beef of the week because I have one that, that is close to home for me. Um, this is presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden, our beef of the week. Pharmacy has the best burgers, the best beef, the best brews, the best brats you can find in Nashville. Head over to the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. Tell them the Music City Audible sent you. All right, I mentioned I tweeted this out um, you know, on Monday when free agency the tampering window first opened that the Titans' best – I can't say best – that the Titans' best path to true contention is to sign no one in free agency, trade Tannehill and Henry, lose as many games as possible this season, and draft Caleb Williams next April. Now, obviously, there was a bit of an exaggeration there. I don't literally mean sign no one. I don't literally mean try to lose. You're never going to try to lose. But if you field a roster that isn't as good, you're going to lose, you know, with that, whether or not you try to. So I think that 
I tweeted that out. I, I still believe that that's true, despite the signings they've they've made already. And I think, you know, you've got to fill out your roster with players that can be good players when you are ready to compete, even if you're not, you know, fully capable of competing at the highest level with the talent that you do have. But the reason I bring this up is my beef of the week is with all the people who got in my replies who said, that's a dumb strategy. You're a bad fan. But especially the people who said, Mike Vrabel's never going to lose that many games. He's too good of a coach. Man, I don't care how good of a coach you are. And I agree. Mike Vrabel's a very good coach. But it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. If your roster talent cannot compete with the guys you're playing up, there's only so much scheming up you can do. And I hate this idea that Mike Vrabel is someone who's like, what What are you implying here? That Mike Vrabel is is not smart enough to realize that you need a high-level franchise quarterback to compete at a, a actual Super Bowl level? I don't know if that's the implication, but Mike Vrabel's not dumb. He's looking around the league, too. He sees what's happening with the Bengals and Joe Burrow and how fast they turned things around when they got their quarterback. And the AFC is so stacked this year anyway. Like, are you really going to try to compete for the seventh wild card spot? Like, what, what are we doing here? You got Rodgers going to the Jets. They're going to be a, a great team. Like, despite what you think about Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career, the Jets have a great roster that was really held back by quarterback play last year. If Lamar returns to the Ravens, they're going to be a big-time playoff competitor. And that, you know, not even to mention, like, the Dolphins are on the come-up. Obviously, you got the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals. This is a very compact and tight race here at the top of the AFC, and the Titans don't have the quarterback to lead them to that victory. So, Mike Vrabel coached this team to seven straight losses last season, right? Why can't he do that again two or three times next season, and boom, you got the number one or number two overall pick. You go get Caleb Williams or Drake May, and, you, and you're off to the races to be an actual good, you know, elite team in the AFC with all these amazing quarterbacks. Not to mention the guys that are going to be entering the league this year. The Colts, the Texans are probably going to get guys that they at least think are going to be high-level, you know, franchise quarterbacks. The Raiders as well. So this idea that Mike Vrabel is not, not you know, bad enough of a coach to get the number one overall pick – Tell that to the last seven games of 2021 because or 2022, because I think, you know, it doesn't matter how good of a coach he is. And again, he's not going to be trying to lose. And, you know, one of the hardest things here is to you know, maintain your culture and get guys like Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard, who obviously are going to want to win to like be okay playing on a team this year that simply won't be as good. But it's not because they're not trying to be good. It's just because they won't be as good because, you know, especially if they do trade Ryan Tannehill and what are you going to roll out there? Malik Willis, Josh Dobbs at quarterback. How many games are you realistically going to win with those guys at QB anyway, no matter how good of coaching you have? So I just want to put a pause on this. Mike Vrabel is too good of a coach to lose because the Titans did plenty of losing last year with Mike Vrabel as their head coach, with Ryan Tannehill for most of those games, with Derrick Henry for most of those games. And if they end up moving on, moving off of these assets so that they can get some value back for them before it's too late, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. 2023, Titans aren't winning the Super Bowl. Go all in for 2024. That's my beef of the week. Over to you, Justin. That was a long rant. Sorry. No problem. We're, we're, we're all agree with you on, on this beef of the week is uh, sponsored by the pharmacy, of course. Um, yeah, like they did a lot of losing last year with Mike Vrabel as the head coach. I do think he's a guy that's capable of making lemonade out of lemons. And I, I think we've seen, I think we saw him do that last year. I don't think we're a seven-win team, right? Nothing along with some of the roster issues they had, especially across the offensive line. But um, the talent did worse. They lost seven games in a row to close the year. They were seven and three, right? And and, and I think that's what we're talking about. That roster was bad without injury because of all those injuries, right? When they closed out the year, the roster was so bad because of all the injuries. And they lost seven in a row. If you take that roster for a depth level roster in the 2023, yeah, they probably win like three 
games, four games, right? So I do get where you're coming from. Although I'll say so far in free agency, I don't really know what the strategy is. It doesn't really look like a team that's setting up to lose, right? Going to get guys like, like Brunskill and Dillard and RNT and some of these linebackers we're about to hit on. But at the same time, and they can't roll out nobody at those positions, right? right? They got to roll somebody out, but, um, but maybe they would have rolled out like a, you know, a, a Corey Levin, right? At right guard, if they weren't super interested in winning. Or a, 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 who was the other? Uh, Xavier Newman Johnson, the UDFA right guard, they still have under contract, I believe. So, uh, but, but, so it's hard to say what the strategy right now. We'll get more clarity soon. My only comment on Go that ahead. is that you know, like, yes, you could do that if you're really trying to go 0-17, but if you do want to be able to turn it around quickly and compete in 2024, you got to fill some of these holes this year and the rest of them next year. So you can't necessarily just roll out the undrafted free agents at every position that you that you still need to fill right. because then oh, when sure. 2024 rolls around, if you do have to give up some capital to move up and get your quarterback, then you really lose the ability to fill those holes. So fill what you can now, but don't be too good, and then next year <laughs> you're off to the races. I, I agree. I just, I, I can't really tell. That's my honest evaluation of which direction they're going in yet. Uh, I, I can't tell at all. So that, that, that's sort of where I'm at with that. Cannot tell. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been some crazy Twitter rumors that are very hard to believe circling about how the Titans have a major trade that's getting ready to happen. And we've obviously heard all these reports about the Titans shopping Derrick Henry. Well, they're not really shopping Derrick Henry, but they are listening to offers for Derrick Henry. And like, it's all... Uh, uh, pretty muddled right now, but we, as you said, we will see what you know. We'll get some clarity on that over the next few, uh, over the next few weeks, I guess. But let's talk about the other two big signings here. I'm big, whatever, big in air quotes. Um, the other two signings that happened. Another connection with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the Titans signed linebacker Aziz Alshair to a one-year deal worth up to six million dollars. Could be less, probably less. You know, there's a lot of probably incentives built into that. Which, again, if we're comparing it to Titans players who have walked away, either in free agency or via cut, David Long Jr. signed a two-year, $11 million deal with the Miami Dolphins. So Aziz Alshair will likely come in and fill David Long's role for about the same amount of money, if not less, than what Long is getting paid in Miami, and with hopefully more durability. And um, this is a guy who's mostly, you know, been a backup rotational player for the Niners playing behind two elite linebackers in San Francisco. So again, sort of like Andre Dillard, not his fault that he can't beat out, you know, some of the best players at their position in the NFL for a bigger role. But I have a San Francisco 49ers coworker friend who told me that this guy is one of the most underrated 49ers as well, that he is a guy that deserves a chance to play more and that the Niners will miss him. Even though he wasn't a starter, the Niners are going to miss what he was able to contribute. So I think that another great signing, another great value signing again, you know, on this theme of not giving out too much money, not giving out a big guaranteed contracts, no Bud Dupree contracts this cycle for the Titans which I think is huge for how they want to build moving forward. And they got a guy that's going to come in and be a starter and play either next to Monty Rice or next to the next guy we're going to talk about or next to somebody that's been in Tennessee like Jack Gibbons. We'll see who the other starting linebacker ends up being. But Shair will for sure be one of those two guys. Yeah, I like this signing a lot too. I'm glad you hit on, on the part about, about him being an underrated guy because they've got such great linebackers in San Francisco. I assume you're referring to Fred Warner course, Ray Greenlaw, a lot of good linebackers there um, in San Francisco. So he was sort of stuck behind them. He's going to come in and he's going to start. I think this is your like for like replacement for David Long. Um, one thing I find very interesting I want to touch on is I, I find it curious that the two biggest guys they lost in free agency 
David Long and Nate Davis. Rand Carthon replaced both of them with guys he knows from San Francisco. Right? He went to, okay, we're losing both of those guys. Let me go get Aziz and let me go get Dan Brunskill. So I find that to be semi-interesting. Let me go get guys I trust that can replace the two, you know, quote-unquote biggest starters. Um, we're losing this period. This guy is athletic. He's going to come in play a role for them. I think he's going to play in coverage as well. Probably a better coverage linebacker than they had on the roster. Certainly better than a guy like Jack Evans. So I think more of a two-down thumper. Um, I'm excited to see this guy grow into a role. He's an ascending talent. This is going to be his first opportunity to really be a 16-17 you know, game starter. Um, I'm going to come in play good football for them. I talked to a lot of people in San Francisco as well. And I watched him play over the years and they Obviously, the same thing about him. Such a big fan of his. They're sad to see him go, but they're happy that he's been opportunity. And I think that speaks volumes about him. Fanny hates to see a guy go, but they're also excited to see him get an opportunity that they feel. On the big long topic, quickly, now I have to say here another guy I think they didn't trust when it comes to their abilities. Two years, 11 and a half million in Miami. Way less money than I thought you could get. Five and a half million a year. Remember, I I said this pro football focus has a contract, or they thought he was going to get thirteen million a year. Whoever whoever came up with that proposal dropped the ball. He gets five and a half million a year on a short term deal. And David Long is very very aware of what the Titans fan base is saying. He had a funny piece where he said, "Damn, they're talking about me like I for my ACL. This shit is crazy." Yeah, I feel like I mean, I mean no disrespect to him, but it also would have been better, right? Because it's like that's not, not better. Him, of course, but that's something that's unavoidable, right? It was the recurring soft tissue stuff that, that pissed Tennessee off, right? Not be able to get past hamstrings stuff um, that, that turned Tennessee away. So, and it, it's small. It's like market, right? Here's 11 and a half million. One of the very strong market for him. I think Tennessee's happy um, to let him go and bring in Aziz as a guy that they trust to come, come and replace him. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, maybe another one of those guys. I mean, we, we heard Vrabel call him out by name in that press conference about durability and soft tissue injuries. So a guy I don't think the Titans ever intended to re-sign, friend of the podcast, friend of our Tape with the Titans series. Rest in peace to that series. Um, which is still a great watch if you want to go find it on the Broadway Sports YouTube page. But uh, I don't know if the Titans will necessarily miss David Long with this signing and with their other linebacker signing, Luke Gifford signed for two year, $4 million contract up worth up to $5 million with uh, playtime incentives. He has a $500,000 playtime incentive for each of the next two years. He only got $1 million guaranteed. And like Aziz, he is also a very athletic linebacker. I don't know if we mentioned that, but Gifford posted a 9.38 R relative athletic score which is a very you know close to elite athleticism it is elite athleticism and a guy that will likely come in to be one of those ace special teamer type players but who knows you know we've seen those guys have to play a linebacker whether it be because of injury or performance or whatever we could see Gifford you know starting out there on, on the defense in some weeks I don't think you pencil him as a, pencil him in as a starter by any means right now but probably will compete for that role and definitely will be a guy that they rely on to be a special teams ace yeah, I, I do. Um, I'm excited about this signing as well. I got a treat for Broadway Sports Insiders. Um, I got off the phone with Luke as soon as he signed the contract, essentially. And I see, and I got a really fun exclusive coming your way later this week. It'll publish either Thursday or Friday. Full on conversation I had with Luke Gifford, introducing him to the Titans fan base. We'll in there. I'll tease one nugget. The most interesting thing he said to me, and I love that he was honest. I said, Hey, are you more developed as a coverage linebacker or as a run stopper when you do get a chance to play? Which one you like doing better? 
and he was honestly a better player in coverage. And I thought that was music to my ears, could be music to the ears of Titans and Ace. They need a guy that can come in and play coverage. He goes, look, I, I think I can be on sideline to sideline. I was at Nebraska. I really like playing in coverage. I think that's been my calling card whenever I've gotten some defensive snaps. So I'm very interested to see if he can get that role, even if he doesn't start in, in, in two linebacker sets. Maybe I'm going to go to nickel, big nickel, all that. Maybe he can play, uh, be a designated coverage back for them. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. But he is a special teams ace. You said it. Nearly 400 snaps the last two seasons on special teams. That's each year. So nearly 800 combined snaps on special teams 2022-2021. He's a self-described special teams demon. That's what he told me. I won't hmm. I won't tease any of uh, the rest of the interviews. I want, you to, I want you to read it, of course. But he has some really interesting things to say about playing special teams. See how he sort of came to gripes with it um, when he entered the NFL. Big, big fan of the signing, really good guy. Enjoyed my time with him. Make sure you head over to Broadway Sports and read all about him. He is a new linebacker in Tennessee, and I do think he has a chance to play snaps on defense. Right. Nice. That is a great get for Titans fans. Make sure you check out that interview on broadwaysportsmedia.com. And the thing about these linebacker signings and also, you know, the Arden Key signing is – these this will not stop the Titans from drafting players at these positions. Ryan Fowler, um, I think he's your colleague at the Draft Network. Is that right? Is Ryan Fowler? That's correct. Ryan Fowler, my guy, with some, with some nice visit news on. Yeah, Ryan Fowler tweeted. Uh, your colleague at the Draft Network said that the Titans have hosted Utah linebacker Mahmoud Diab. Oh man, you got to help me with this one. Diabate. Mahmoud Diabate on a top thirty visit. So that's a. Uh, Something interesting. interesting. The Titans are still looking at linebackers, probably still looking at edge players. But, you know, one interesting note on all these signings outside of the two O-line guys, we're looking at three defensive players. So I don't think, you know, these signings preclude them from drafting players at these positions in the draft. There are there have been a number of defensive signings and tenders that we'll get to in a second here, too. So maybe the Titans lean more offense, but I don't think that free agency has given us an indication either way what the Titans plan to do. Although I've seen that idea floated on Twitter as well that, hey, maybe they're going to be, you know, offensive heavy in the draft here because of these defensive signings. But, you know, they also signed two offensive linemen. They tendered an offensive lineman. So I don't think we've learned much about their draft plans from this free agency class so far. I agree. I think the most important thing is they signed players where they won't be backed into a hole in the draft. We don't need to draft a tackle because we have Andre Dillard. We don't need to draft a linebacker because we signed a couple of them. We don't need to draft a guard because we've got Aaron Brew and we signed Dan Brunskill. So I think that's the best thing you can say. It doesn't back them into a hole. And that's important for any draft because you want to at least have some flexibility to go best player. Right, so they need to draft Bijan Robinson at 11. Just kidding. Uh, we can talk more about that over the next few weeks. Um, let's talk about tenders, restricted free agents, exclusive rights free agents. Quickly, the guys that's, that were not tendered, Nick Westbrook-Akina, Cody Hollister, a couple of depth receivers that have been with the Titans for a long time that were not tendered by the Titans. Paul Kuharski reported that the Titans uh, tried to negotiate with Westbrook-Akina on a, a new contract that would have put him under the tendered amount. Apparently he didn't like that offer because you know the uh, the tender amount is only two point six million dollars for twenty twenty three. The veteran minimum for a fourth year player is one point oh eight million dollars. So you have to assume that whatever you know negotiations and negotiations the Titans were trying to do with Westbrook Kina came between one million and two point six million, and he decided to go test the market. So they did not tender him. 
I doubt he signs for more than $2.6 million. Paul Kaharski's not ruling out a reunion with the Titans if, you know, Westbrook goes out there and doesn't find the market he's looking for in a, a relatively weak wide receiver free agency class. So maybe, you know, he will find a, a $3 million deal out there somewhere. But I think, you know, the Titans are trying to get faster and younger on offense and moving on from players like Westbrook Aquina and Cody Hollister, who are solid blockers and, you know, know the offense and you know how to get where they're supposed to be but are very limited athletically, I think this is a move in the right direction towards becoming faster, more explosive, more dynamic on offense. Yeah, I was a little bit in Tenderman all because they love his blocking ability, reliable. Um, with that said, we knew that he was regardless of whether he was in their plans or not. Um, now I guess you could say it has been increased a little. They've, they've got one that contract. Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Racing McNaff. The team needs a major her way. Uh, that was a tad surprise with the Westbrook news. Alkarski uh, reported it. I wouldn't be shocked um, if there is a reunion here. But uh, it, it qualified as a minor surprise for me when they didn't tender him. I think it's pretty surprising just because I always got the impression that Mike Vrabel loved Nick Westbrook, even if maybe it turns out he was more of a John Robinson guy and Mike Vrabel liked him because he was there and now there's a new general manager and Mike Vrabel said it in the press conference at the end of the year that he wants to get faster on offense and here you go. This is a step towards that. Um, in other Titans, former wide receiver news, Robert Woods signed with the Texans on a two-year deal worth $15.25 million, worth up to $17 million. So he will stay in the division. The Titans will see him twice next year, assuming he's healthy. But uh, I don't think Robert Woods was adding anything to the 2023 Titans offense either. So three receivers that played on the team last year will not be back next year. The Titans did decide to tender Tier Tart and Aaron Brewer, they put second round tenders on both of those guys, which means that Tart and Brewer are free to go out into the market and try to find a deal that is worth more than the $4.3 million that the tender will pay them. If they do decide to take a, an offer out there, the Titans can either match it or they can let these guys sign with their new teams. If that happens, those new teams will have to send the Titans a second round pick. So you either get Tier Tart next year for $4.3 million or you get a second round pick um, for T.R. Tart. Same thing for Aaron Brewer. You expect Aaron Brewer will come in and start at either left guard like he did in 2022, or perhaps he is your new center because another move the Titans made since our last podcast was to cut Ben Jones, longtime center. That was a bit of a surprising move. Perhaps they were uh, held up by Ben Jones trying to make a decision on if he wanted to play or didn't want to play, if he wanted to retire, sort of the uh, the Titans version of Aaron Rodgers here. Just kidding. But um, Ben Jones, Mike Vrabel, you know, went as far as to release a statement about Ben Jones. That's how big of an impact he's had on the Titans in his time here. But um, I do think that this likely means Aaron Brewer starts on your offensive line. You don't pay a guy $4.3 million for one season to come be a backup. And I would expect that Aaron Brewer will be your new starting center with Ben Jones released. I agree. I'm going to start at center in 2023, $4.3 million. That's starting money. Um, yes, you could still get in at left guard if you end up drafting a center that you really love, uh, for example. Uh, but I, I do think the plan is to put him at center. We talked about how he's undersized and he sort of hide his deficiencies in pass pro a little there at center. You're asking him to work more double teams. He won't see as many one-on-ones as he sees at left guard. So I think that probably is the plan for uh, Brewer. I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out. I'll say this, and I, I don't mean to sound insensitive or cutthroat. I, I don't think any team is giving up a second-round pick for Aaron Brewer or T.R. Tart. I'm really stunned if uh, they're able to find an offer sheet on the way. Tennessee's playing this game the right way. They're being tough, hard-nosed. I imagine Brewer and Tart are about this, but I think Tennessee has all the left. It reminds me of 
something that happened last year, and I had to read up on it. I wrote on it, and I learned a lot about it. Uh, this happened to Alan Lazard last year, who I think you and I would both agree is probably a better player, different position, obviously, but a better player, a more resourceful player, a more valuable player than either Tier Tart or Aaron Brewer. If you don't believe me, Lazard just signed a four-year, $44 million deal in free agency with the Jets. This happened last year. The Packers placed a second-round tender on Alan Lazard. Um, the tender was low. Oh, and it was even lower than 4.3. I think it was like 3.9 million last year. I remember because I wrote about it. Lazard did not find an offer sheet because why? No one probably would a second round pick for him. Packers played hardball with him. He was able to skip mandatory workouts, Lazard. He, he did everything he could to try to bully them into giving him the extension that he wanted. Again, I, I read up on this. Why was he allowed to skip mandatory workouts? He wasn't fine for it either because he actually hadn't signed the tender. So he was not technically mm. under contract. It's a loophole. I expect Aaron Brewer and or Tierra Tart to possibly explore if they want to try to back Tennessee into a corner into saying, hey, we want a long-term deal. We're not showing up to mandatory camp. And you can't find us because we haven't signed the tender yet. Well, what did Green Bay do last year? They held out tough. They said, sure, you missed all the mandatory workouts you want. What happened? Lazard eventually signed the tender. Because what was he going to do? Not play football? In 2022, there's nothing that takes value like not playing football for a whole year, right? And there was no offer sheet to be had because no one was going to pay a second-round pick for Alan Lazard. I don't think anyone's going to pay a second-round pick for a nose borderline starting guard or center either. I like both of these guys. Tennessee, this is business, right? This is tough negotiating. I think they did the right thing. If I had to guess, both Tart and Brewer are back next year on the tender. They'll probably try to push back. I don't see a scenario where they win this battle. Tennessee's going to stick to their guns. I'd be pretty surprised if they agree to an extension, unless it's like the same thing, right? They they sign for one year, four million, or they get a two million, uh, sorry, a two-year contract worth eight million, right? Maybe the guaranteed money right. is a bit more than the 4.3, and that's the difference for who makes them feel a little better about the situation. But ultimately, I think Tennessee probably holds Stuff. Brewers are trying to push back a little, uh, but ultimately they end up playing the season on the tender and Tennessee gets exactly on out of this. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. And uh, another another guy that was tendered here by the Titans was Naquan Jones. He was tendered as an exclusive rights free agent, which basically means he accepts a low contract for one year that the Titans will give him, or he doesn't play football. Uh, it's very simple there. It's not like the uh, um, restricted rights free agent or any other unrestricted free agent. Exclusive rights free agent tender for Naquan Jones. Those are the moves the Titans have made. Those are also the guys the Titans have let go or lost to free agency or cut like Ben Jones. We pretty much rounded up everything that's happened for the Titans free agency for the first three days. If anything happens on Wednesday night, well, we'll talk about it on Monday next week. Before we go, though, let's quickly hit remaining needs for this Titans team. They still don't have a starter penciled in at left guard. Could look, like you said, later in the draft or potentially at uh, some some other free agents that are still out there, the, the lower tier guys. They don't really have wide receivers. You mentioned that too. They only have three guys on the roster right now. I think they definitely will draft at least one, if not two. I think they're going to sign one or two here. Uh, again, the lower tier free agents, the uh, the second wave, third wave guys. I think we'll see at least one wide receiver brought in through that. And then, you know, I think they're pretty set on defense. There's some guys on defense. There is an interesting rumor going around out there that was said on the latest podcast episode of the GM Shuffle Mike Lombardi said, and I quote, 
Kevin Byard, he's a really good player. They're trying to get him to take a pay cut. If he doesn't take a pay cut, they're going to cut him. That was posted by Zach Football and other F-words on Twitter earlier today. Do you think Kevin Byard could actually be cut? I would be um, I would be very, very shocked. Yeah, I guess it's possible, but I would be stunned. There's not a whole lot of need to save on this deal either unless the post June 1st. And at that point, you're not really spending the money and you know what I mean? Like I think I'd rather just have Kevin Byard than have some money in June to find my cash class, right? Like you gotta make that money elsewhere. It, I, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me. They're, look, if they want to trade Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, and they also want to get rid of Kevin Byard. I get it. You probably get a draft pick for him. I don't think you outright cut Kevin Byard. Um, I, I no, I would be really stunned, and, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't think there's a lot of merit to it. But we'll see, I guess. Um, on the needs, I, I think even though they've signed Arden Key, they signed and a couple linemen. I still think they could use, you know, some more on the O-line, maybe maybe another body at edge. But more importantly, the two positions, wide receiver, I agree with you. We touched on it already. Only like three guys under contract or only three guys under contract that would even be in consideration to make a 53-man roster. The one you didn't mention, I think, is an underrated need is cornerback. Hmm. They've not added that corner yet. Um, I think, you know, Christian Fulton entering the contract year um, with Roger McCreary still being a guy that's ascending from the bruises. You don't know what you have really in Caleb Farley or Elijah Molden. I think corner is a pretty big need in all honesty. And I think starting to emerge as one of those underrated positions they could draft at 11th overall. No one wants to hear that. But if you get to 11 and you've got Christian Gonzalez on the board, or you've got Joey Porter Jr. on the board, uh, Devon Witherspoon, I think you'd be really tempted. You think long and hard about taking one of those corners. I don't know who's on this roster in 2024 at corner. I really don't. I Molden might not be Caleb Farley. Might not be. I really don't think Christian Fulton's going to be at all. Honestly, and I love Christian mm-hmm. Fulton, but I think they see him as Nate Davis, David Long 3.0, right? A guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. It's been soft tissue stuff. I think they're seriously questioning Christian Fulton um, at going into a contract here. So we'll see. And if he balls out and he demands a huge contract, I think they'll be like, oh, we don't know. We don't saw it for one year. We're not giving him $10 million, $11, $12 million a year. So I think corners of pretty underrated need right now. I want them to draft offense at 11 overalls. I think they need receivers, they need tackles, but I really would not be surprised if they view corners a really big need. I fully agree with that. And, you know, 11th overall is a place where you can get really high-level cornerbacks in the draft and guys that can come in and be instant impact guys. We've seen it over the last few years with, you know, teams drafting high-level corners there in that range. And I think the Titans could be, you know, I, I think you said it exactly right, a sneaky, you know, underrated type of position they could be targeting at 11 overall if they decide to be stupid and not draft Bijan Robinson. Just kidding again, but really, I do want the Titans to draft Bijan. Um, all right, anything else before we get out of this episode? We're getting kind of long here. That does it. For long episode, but we, we did this on purpose. We waited this long. We wanted to cover everything that happened. I'm glad we were able to do it in one episode. By the time coming turn, we'll have a few more items uh, um, uh, to, to cover on Monday, on either Monday evening or Tuesday, but to head over to Broadway Sports, check out the loop. We'll be back next week with more coverage of free agency and possibly some talk as well. Exactly right. So stay tuned until then. You can follow Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. Make sure you're checking out Broadway Sports Media. Become a Broadway insider today so you can read Justin's interview there. And thanks again to the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. Check them out. Tell them the Music City Audible sent you. That's it for us. We will see you guys next week. Until then, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up.
Broadway Sports Media Production.